This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Where's your innovation, huh? Sequels suck. Do the same thing. Everyone's happy. It's all about the money, boys! Here we go again. I am inevitable. Hey guys, and welcome back to Franchise Fatigue. We are usually a podcast that picks a franchise and goes through it movie uh, movie by movie. However, this week we are doing a mini-sode because this one indie flick came out over the weekend and we're ready to talk about it. Um, it's called Avengers Endgame. Um, so I think we'll try to point you guys in the direction of this that might get overlooked and tell you uh, tell you our thoughts on it. You can introduce me? or Oh yeah. <laughs> I need notes to look at. And to assist me in talking about this new film, I'm joined by my co-host, Gabe Green. What's going on? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, very very happy to talk about this movie. Um, yeah, so, so due to some scheduling issues with our glass recording, uh, that's not... Uh, we're going to be pushing uh, Glass and actually Split, which we already talked about last week. It's all confusing. But yeah, we're going to be pushing those two episodes back a week. And this one, uh, our mini-sode on Avengers Endgame, will be our only episode this week. So I think what we're going to do is just do a, the first uh, few minutes spoiler-free, then we're just going to dive into all the many amazing, crazy spoilers to talk about. Uh, yeah, so just none of the behind-the-scenes stuff, none of the, the normal structure, just just talking about whatever uh, stood out to us. So, James, what did you think about Avengers Endgame? Uh, I really liked it quite a bit. Um, it was a very crazy edge of my seat theater viewing um from the opening scene uh i think what really um made this made my viewing of endgame stand apart from my viewing from infinity war is 20 minutes into infinity war and you know what that movie's about you know what that movie is you know goals um you may not know specific plot details yet but you kind of know what we're heading towards mm -hmm. uh 20 minutes into endgame and i had absolutely no idea what the freaking crap was going on <laughs> there are moments that happen numerous moments where i was just looking around at the rest of like the audience being like is it is is everybody else like not as confused but as like I don't know left in a, a state of turmoil as i am like what is this movie doing yeah act by act i had no idea where this film was going there were ideas that i had that were going to be in it that were in it but the placement of where i thought things were going to happen were all over the place um and and certain individual things that happened here really took me by surprise so honestly two hours into the movie i still wasn't sure what was going to happen or where it was going exactly you know we i remember finishing act two and be like well what well now what we've got an hour of movie left this is three hours and there's so much time left what are they supposed to do now and yeah i it was a very very crazy experience um but you know i it's not perfect but i really really enjoyed it and as a conclusion uh, they did what I was really hoping they'd do because we all know they're going to be making future films. But I think that should you cho uh, should you so choose, you can watch Iron Man one all the way to Endgame, never watch another movie, and feel like you got a complete start to finish story. I don't think the conclusion and ending of this will be undermined by you know Doctor Strange two and Black Panther and all this other stuff. Like people are saying, like, well, it's not even really a conclusion. This is a conclusion. Um, this Those is a people who talk like that never like 
never really liked the MCU that much to begin with, so whatever. Yeah, so I, as a conclusion, if you are a fan of this series, I can't really picture anyone walking away disappointed. Uh, yeah, so I agree with everything you said. I, I really, really like this movie. Like, And it, it's not perfect. It's far from perfect. It has a, I have a lot of issues. Like, I have issues with this film that if it were a standalone film might even like gr- completely ground it. <laughs> but in a movie that is this big and this stuffed with so much stuff, like even these huge problems I have with it are like, they're, they're reduced to like mere nitpicks by the time you you reach the ending. It's, this is a big, big, huge movie. And I remember, when, I remember uh, listening to people's reviews before I went and saw it, talking about how, how this is, you know, this brings in the entire MCU and everything, like every movie leading up to it was important and it, it brings together all the things that the MCU has been and it ends them perfectly. I'm like, yeah, sure. Maybe it ends one or two characters fine. But to be honest, walking out of this movie, like you said, if they never made another one, I wouldn't be too sad. And to do all of that in one giant movie and to not feel bloated, to not feel you know, overstuffed or just, or, or, or just like pandering is incredible. It's insane. Like the Russos and Marcus and McFeely are an inc- amazing team. Just how awesome is it that we, that we live in a time where you've got the Russos, Christopher McQuarrie and JJ Abrams all making, you know, so, you know, working in some of the biggest franchises at the same time. Just, we are so incredibly fortunate as movie nerds right now. Oh yeah, definitely, and and all kind of giving some of their best work all at the same time. <laughs> this is like one of the best times to be alive, just as a fan of film. Yeah, so uh, I think we'll just move into spoilers. Just um, yeah, go see this movie. That's all. And now spoilers and be gone. Um, uh, so <laughs> so where to start? Uh, James, what should we talk about in the next the next half hour? Uh, well, since, you know, we're going to be doing an episode over the entirety of the film, uh, whenever we cover the MCU eventually, which will be I very kind soon. Of, yes. And Coming. I'm excited. Which means it'll still be another year before we talk about this. But. Well, exactly. Well, then I'll have more digested thoughts by then as well. Uh, I kind of just want to take this time to talk about individual characters and my thoughts on how they wrap them up. And you know what? I, he's one of the big two. Maybe we can start with one of the big ones and end with one of the big ones, but I, I want to go right So, yeah, into... I really like Scott, too. Yeah, Scott Lang was great. <laughs> he actually really was. But I want to talk about um, one of my favorite characters, really just a film, which is Captain America and what they do with him in this film. All is forgiven for sidelining him in Infinity War, that's all I'll say, because right here he's front and center, and he's freaking amazing. I want to talk about Captain America and his ass. Exactly. Hey, it's America's. It's You know, going into it, I was just thinking, how are they going to wrap up all of these different characters who have all of these overarching um, character arcs and, and growth and development? How are they going to make every every single person satisfying? And I don't think they make every single person satisfying. And there there will be something we'll talk about. Um, but when it came to the big two, uh, they nailed it. So with Captain America, uh, what I loved is that he, he, despite, you know, not having Iron Man suits, despite not having the ability of Thor, 
He is just as important well, to this mission. he does have the ability of Thor, actually. Uh, well, yeah. You know what? Let's just talk about that. This movie <laughs> gave us one of the, maybe even my favorite individual, like, isolated moment of all 22 films, which is Captain America wields and fights with Mjolnir for, like, an entire battle. It's Meow Meow James. Get oh, it right. right. Sorry. And it is truly amazing i don't know if i've ever heard like an audience just uproariously uh, applaud like this to this extent in a theater going experience and it was so earned it was somewhat was one of the greatest moments ever it confirmed what we all knew which is i mean if anybody more so than thor come on if anybody's worthy of that hammer it's cap and that they took the time to to let him wield that in a moment that's not really like is it fan service to an extent because we all just want to see it but i mean what a great uh you know bookend to this character the final statement for him in this last battle is that he was worthy um and so like yeah it's an awesome moment for the fans but it just it speaks volumes for um their thoughts on this character and how you know not even really how far he's come because i think he's always been worthy it's just this last moment he took this opportunity to uh you know to to wield it and and become like you know the the kind of powerful uh player that all of these other guys have been and the thing about the the quote unquote fan service of that moment and and then the the, the fan service that is happening like every other second in this movie is that it it has all been either set up or the writer it's the writers and directors looking back through all the the um throughout all the films and saying oh we can take that this moment and we can pay it off now 10 films later like things like uh you know tony that spending you know half hour or 20 minutes you know, just talking with his dad and working through all his dad issues that go back to iron man to the third film from the mcu in what 2010 mm-hmm. like paying that off and which was then continuing civil war the thing the thing i'm I, I love so much about this movie is, is the reason I've loved I've I've done I've done so much championing of, of the Captain America Civil War is that every single character motivation and every single conflict and often every and most like of like the plot points are were in that movie were all built around previously established canon in the MCU like the way they brought in you know. Uh, Tony's daddy issues as the, the main motivating factor in the final fight or you know, Cap and Bucky from the first turn. It's like it was bringing in all these different previously established elements or Zemo's motivation to be you know, Age of Ultron. All these established elements and telling a new story and you know expanding off of them. And this movie is like that you know cranked up to a hundred. And you know it's not I don't I don't think it's as elegant as Civil Wars or as like uh, you know subtle and intrinsically a part of the fabric of the story the way it is civil war it's, there are a lot of moments where you're like this is fan service but i like it <laughs> and so yeah it's it, it's it's just incredible on just on that front the amount of raw material they're able to mine for so many moments that you never thought you knew you wanted did you know you wanted an entire scene of thor talking with Rene russo you didn't but you want it so yeah, it was funny yeah. uh, talking about it with a friend. One of the things that he brought up was like, 
it's amazing that you can have this conflict uh, of like the moment when they're going back to Avengers 1 and he's in the elevator. And because of our knowledge of the series, as it's Cap in there with who we know to be Hydra agents trying to walk out with an Infinity Stone. But the lore has established like we can we can just have Cap say hail Hydra and this entire conflict is resolved before it starts. And so it's like that those little moments like the elevator scene, him saying hail Hydra, like these are callbacks. You know, it can, they can be called fan service because everybody loves the elevator scene. But at the same time, they're using what they have to help this story. You know, they re- they used these callbacks to resolve this conflict um, and just and move along. And so it's like, is it there to please people? Yes, but it's also there to just help move things along. And they get to do it because they set it up. Literally, the Russos mm-hmm. in this case set it up. Yeah. And oh, speaking of that, I I loved how whenever they went back in time to a certain place that they adopted the filmmaking style of that director. Like when they when they were in the Avengers, it was it was, you know, Joss Whedon style with, you know, kind of wider, like not as composed, not as carefully composed um compositions. Just it was it felt more like that, you know, that very the full screen, almost TV-ish look that he had. When the, then when he went on the elevator, it went into that really paranoid handheld sh- cl- you know, close-up shaky cam style that they had in Civil in a, in a Winter Soldier. Then on Asgard, it was these very kind of austere compositions with the camera often kind of far back and that kind of golden uh, color color grade. Like they literally went back and like studied the style of each director or in like winter social case their own style and like mimicked that for the scenes where they were where, where they were um the characters were in those movies it's just like a, a touch they didn't have to do that but it just it just it just puts you back in that nostalgia of the moment yeah and so uh to get back to to cap specifically you know after he goes on this time travel and we think the movies kind of resolved itself uh, at the end of its second act, we we then go into this last battle with alternate reality Thanos showing up, um, and everything happens. And so we get what feels like two resolutions, and then the final resolution to Cap as a character, which um, thematically I I love completely. Um, and I'll talk about like I'll talk about why I love it even more whenever we talk about Tony Stark's art because I think they're perfect complements to each other. Uh, in Cap's case, he's the guy who never wavered, uh, who never compromised, who who stood, you know, by the by the water and planted himself like a tree, and you know, told everyone else to move. He he is that straight moral compass, um, and so for the film to give him this last fight, but to not kill him and and reward his faithfulness to the cause by giving him the life he missed out on, to me is just it's beautiful like he gets his his dance and like i'm going i already considered it one of the most like depressing but just like such perfect endings ever but going back to captain america the first avenger how much more i'm going to appreciate that ending with him saying you know i had a date even more now i mean that's just gonna probably make me cry in the moment um and the thing with Cap's arc is that, you know, he he he's a, he was a man out of time. He was never able to find belonging. He talked about in um, at the end of Age of Ultron, with the man who went to the ice, the guy who wanted you know a family and stability, 
you know, he went into the ice and someone else came out. And I love that, you know, after this final fight, as he says, you know, it's the fight of our lives, this one final push to save the universe, essentially, he is able to, at you know, at, in the end, just feel that he has done enough, that he doesn't have to keep fighting. You know, you know the line that uh, Ultron taunts with, you know, God's righteous man, you know, pretending you could live without a war. And he was, I think you know, he's finally able in the end to lay all that aside and just go back and have a life. And uh, that's just beautiful. You know, the man who's just had, who has spent the last decade, I guess, I don't know how many years have passed, but it's just running from one fight to the next because he doesn't know how to live without it. And, you know, he, now he's able to finally just settle down and be with Pepper because time travel and well, not be just, with not be with Pepper, not with Pepper, Peggy. <laughs> Plot yeah, twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that, I, going into End uh, Game, I was very firmly in the camp that I, I wanted Cap to wield to wield the uh, the gauntlet and bring everybody back and die in the process. You know, die heroically because he's the man out of time. He has no future. And I wanted Tony to live because you know Tony has had a very very rough time. He's had a really hard journey. You know, he's he's made mistakes, but also just things have happened to him, like Peter Parker turning to dust in his arms. I just, you know, the dude needs a break. And I was like, okay, you know, he has to go take, you know, take a page out of Barton's book, get a farm with Pepper, have a kid. And that's the way I wanted him to end. And the beauty of this movie is that they gave me that <laughs> and they killed him. Um, so, yeah, we, we have, you know, we open up with Tony has finally found a measure of peace, which is crazy for the character he's been. Um, and you know he's he's given that time with with his family, with his wife, with his daughter, and it's all beautiful. And so, and I love that Pepper, you know, gives him her blessing to keep, you know, to to investigate the time travel and to and to you know, to, to go on. And she, you know, she doesn't know if he's going to live or not. And at the end, when he finally, he's finally about to die, and she, you know, says, "We're going to be all right." You can rest now. And just the, those words that you can rest now to the guy who has spent the la- the entirety of the MCU constantly tinkering and trying to make himself and everyone around him better just to, to, to be able to be more suited to serve, to work, to protect the earth. Just saying you, know, you can rest now. That is so powerful. Like he's he did it. He saved the world and he doesn't need to keep fighting like cap yeah what's a it's perfect what's amazing about uh that is so one of the reasons why i want to see it again is because initially his death scene i was i wasn't sure how well it was working for me because i was just thinking like man pepper should be more like torn up like my my number one goal with this movie was for it to make it for uh for the movie to make me cry and tony died and i wasn't (laughs) crying yet i'm like well i just i needed more tears i needed needed it more raw and then i thought about it and i was like Way to say this is the most perfect way it could have happened because the idea of of a restless Tony has gone back, you know, since at least Iron Man three, and and so this is a guy who just he can't catch a break. Uh, he's restless. He has nightmares, um, and and just the the idea of of rest and and dreams has kind of subtly been moving around his character for a while, you know, with his vision in Age of Ultron and. And everything, and or in this movie, you know, when I drift off, I'll dream of you. Exactly, and so, so you. this, which itself is a a great callback to Iron Man One when he promotes her, you know, when he's like, "Uh, it's you. It's always been you." 
Um, there's just so many great moments like that, and you don't even realize that how cohesive it is until you see the culmination. And somehow, all of a sudden, all of these things that could have that feel like they could have just been specific to that one individual movie are all of a sudden this just like overarching tapestry of this character, and it's so fulfilling. But but what made me retroactively appreciate that scene so much more is Pepper has to be calm. She has to be composed. She can't be this emotional wreck in front of him because then, you know, he'll still die, but he won't die at peace. He'll die thinking there's still work to do. Uh, and so for him, his last moment to be Pepper saying, it's okay, I'm fine. You've done everything that, not just everything that you could do, but everything we needed you to do. Like, close your eyes. It's okay. You can rest now. And then after he dies, you know, we see her lose composure more. But it's just the fact that it makes me like her her character more. The fact that she was able to keep herself composed for his benefit. To give him this last dying moment of peace. Uh, so, so freaking beautiful. Uh, and then, so, you know, I was worried because I wasn't crying yet. Well, that was fixed when we got to his funeral. Um, the first tear came whenever we see uh, proof that Tony Stark has a heart float by I'm like well they they got me now and then that just incredible panning shot it's like how much money did that shot cost that was probably the most expensive shot in the film including the giant battle in the end (laughs) it's not like aside from Hulk there's not like a flipping bit of CGI in it but what was so amazing about that is there are so many silent payoffs to different things that have happened over the years. And, and it's like for every moment, it got an extra tear for me. Like whenever we were panning over, I'm like, who is that random kid? Oh my goodness, that's Harley from Iron Man 3. And then all of a sudden, before, you know, like I'm crying a little bit more. And and then whenever, uh, the part that got me the most though was whenever Happy asked Morgan, you know, what she wants and oh, she just wants dude. a cheeseburger. And the look on his face when she says that broke me and I just started crying. Like it's not even just a single tear anymore. John Favreau in that moment, like he's the guy who gave us Iron Man. He's the guy who gave us Iron Man too. He created this, he created the MCU essentially for us. And for him, you know, both, you know, as an actor to be able to, you know, be at Tony Stark's funeral and you to help us as the audience say goodbye to the character as the man who gave us, it's just, it's so meta and just his performance is so good. Like I can't imagine how emotional that scene has to be for him. You know, as an actor, as the director he was, to to say goodbye in that way. On to get you know, to get to say goodbye as an actor is just that's a crazy opportunity, and he he does he does it so well. Yeah, and then of course the the ending goodbye to his daughter with the "I love you" three thousand is just again. And at that point, I was like, okay, I'm composed. I'm composed. He's giving his last you know his last speech and. This is uplifting now, and you know my eyes are starting to dry, and then that, and <laughs> I'm just back into it. Um, but you know, yeah, I I was kind of with you where I was like, I think Cap should die and Tony should live, but but the fact that they gave him his reward, but they still, you know, he he had to die because I'm I'm glad with the choice to let Cap live his full life and to have Tony die for the cause. Because because of Cap never wavering, and because Tony's been so like fly by the seat of his pants and so reactive, and and you know the the cause of so many of his own problems and and things like that, it's hard to blame him for a lot of it. It's just the fact that this is a character who, going back to Avengers one, whenever posed the question, "You're not the guy to lay down on the line 
uh, to save the other guys. And he's like, I'd just rather cut it. This is a guy who's always trying to find solutions so that nobody has to die. And for him to be the one, it's like, you know what? There is no other solution. I will be the guy to lay on the wire. Like, it's just so perfect. So perfect as an ending. Dude, there's the... I'm afraid to, like, touch anything else because I know as soon as we start talking about something else, we're just going to try... We're just going to want to talk about all of it. Um, I guess to just talk about the one big thing I didn't like, and that is Thor. Um, and this this is big because I love the first Thor movie, and I love the character presented there. I love. I think he's pretty great in the Avengers, but after that, I feel like they didn't really know what to do with him. And you combine that with you know people already not being all that on board with Thor. I understand why they revamped his character in Ragnarok. I you know I still kind of resent it, but I understand it. Okay, so they revamped the character in Ragnarok. And then moving into Infinity War, I was like, okay, they've got him to a really good place. You know, he's where he's he's funny, but he also has this, a lot of this raw emotion underneath. But and but it, you know, it feels like it, he's more focused and intense, and he has, you know, there's dramatic heft to it. And then they reinvent his character again in this movie, and he's a, a sad big Lebowski, I guess, and he's fat, and that's funny because he's fat, and. You know, he used to be ripped and now he's fat. So fat. And, yeah. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, it's... I don't like it. And, okay, I want to be clear. Chris Hemsworth is an incredible actor and he is a wonderful comedic presence. So uh, none of this is a criticism of, of his, you know, the comedy or even necessarily the writing from scene to scene. Like, all of the jokes are very funny jokes. And they're well-performed, they're well-directed, and I laughed. <sighs> I guess my issue is more that I just don't feel any, this this character, he just isn't the guy from Thor one. He isn't the guy from the Avengers. He isn't even the guy from the dark world or age of Ultron. He's just, he's somebody entirely different and I guess fine. But for me, like the, what has made the MCU, what it is, is clear, consistent characterization from beginning to end you can see a very clear arc from the guy that you know the jerk in the beginning of Iron Man one to the guy who sacrifices himself to save the universe in the end of this movie. You know the same for Cap, the same for Natasha, for Barton, for and, and all the other the, the new characters that have come in, people like Scarlet Witch or anyone, you Scott, like they're all consistent. Thor is a character who's been revamped twice into like entirely different people. And honestly, I think he's becoming worse. Like at at the end of this movie, they the the movie seems to think, oh, we've got him in a good place. He's finally found some peace, and he's he's gonna, he's grown. Honestly, I feel like the, where he is at the end of this movie, and we'll get into this all this in our main episode. But I feel like he's kind of the worst he has ever been, you know, aside from the opening of you know, the beginning of Thor. And it's just kind of disheartening as someone who loves the char- where the character started just, just see. Like that, I don't feel like these filmmakers care at all for who Thor was and where he came from, and they're they're, they're like part of the crowd that only started liking him in Ragnarok. So there's 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 I feel like there's no real respect around his character, and whatever you know, it's well acted, it's well directed, it's well played, and I it, it, it will it's funny and it will always be funny, but I'm always gonna resent the fact that they have uh. Destroy this character. <laughs> yeah, for me, I wasn't as disconcerted as you were with what they did with him in Ragnarok because 
well, I think it was even you who mentioned the though that like at least Taika knew where his place was because his triumphant moment at the end was taking his place as king of Asgard you know mm. realizing that despite Asgard as a physical lo- location being gone I've helped preserve this people and now that I'm done with my walkabout that I went on you know in the dark world and Age of Ultron and everything it's time to be who I'm meant to be. It's time to stop running from this responsibility. To, to be who be. he's supposed to be. Exactly. And so... Not who he is. <laughs> I hate that line. But, uh... So, because of that, I wasn't... at Like, yes, it's a revamp of the character. He's funnier, he's goofier now than ever. But I, I never found myself going so far as to say this is a totally different guy from Thor 1. His personality's changed quite a bit, but I think there's some... What of of a similar understanding of who he's supposed to be and what his journey is supposed to be leading him to, and I don't think that Infinity War, you know, undermined that at all. I think Infinity War kind of. I think it it, it brought back a bit all, the, some of the gravitas and drama that was inherent to the character. Exactly, and so for me, I if I was wary but hopeful for his character by the end of Ragnarok. I was made much more confident by his character in Infinity War. I think maybe his best dramatic scene ever is his conversation with Rocket. And so you kind of, you know, there, this idea of, of what it means to be a noble leader and a noble king, uh, you know, that, that those are questions and, and thoughts that are so relevant to his character. And I think we really get to reckon with that post-Ragnarok where... He's talking about his past and everything he's had to deal with. And he's having to live post-learning about the the tragedies of, of uh, Asgard's past and everything. And so we mm-hmm. can't really address that fully in Infinity War or Endgame. But I'm like, wow, they're, they're really setting him up to, to marry this more fun Thor with the drama and gravitas of, of Branna. And they're going to put him in a place where I'm like... I, I I loved Ragnarok. I loved Thor One. We're combining them, and I'm gonna love this character. And then yeah, like you say, they they revamp him again here. Um, it's like they they saw that oh people like funny Thor now. Well, let's just double down on that and completely ruin dramatic Thor. I think a lot of that is Chris Hemsworth. He's made quotes about how he was like he kind of hated the role before Ragnarok. Like I think he is really the one that's pushing for this this version of Thor. Maybe the Russos love it too. Who knows? But like, it's just so frustrating because I can't see how you know Ragnarok and Infinity War Thor. Like that to me, that's that seems like a character that's a blast to play. Uh, you know, uh, I don't. Know, it's just uh, like you. I think he may be at his worst place ever by the end of this movie. The fact, I mean, even so far as like the hippie beard and braids, he's the he's the guy you know between high school and college he's like i don't know what to do and i'm i'm gonna do this thing that's really for me but i'm gonna play it off as something mature like i'm gonna go find myself you know it's time to be who it's time to be me you know like all right whatever (laughs) you're so immature pretending to be so mature like you passed off your rightful responsibility and leadership to this person that you met like not even a year ago who only just now underwent like dramatic well no well, okay six, six yeah, years ago fair enough um so who knows maybe she has shown I, i'm taking we are meant to think that she's shown herself as a capable leader but but even still to just be like hey do you want my responsibility it's it's really frustrating the thing is like he is king like even if he realizes i i'm a terrible person maybe i shouldn't be king 
he still should be there working as a janitor. Like his, these are his people. And they got decimated three times on his watch. It wasn't his fault, but they did. He needs to be there to help them. In one way, though, I because I really loved his dynamic with the Guardians, I wasn't even coming into this movie opposed to the idea of him teaming up with them. I was kind of rooting for a way that, like, that has him join with them in a way that, like, supports his need as king. Like, maybe there's some sort of threat, potential threat to Asgard or something teased in this movie. He's like, all right, well, you know, hey, Valkyrie, hold the fort down while I go with these guys and take care of this. You know, just so much because I really do like his comedic dynamic with everybody else. It's just I didn't want that to come at the cost of his character. But the fact that it's not like, hey, hold the fort down. It's, hey, lead my people while I go on this road trip with my my new buddies. Is It's just really frustrating. Yeah. And I also have a lot of problems with his dynamic with the Guardians, but there's no time for that. Uh, let's real quick just run through uh, it's just some rapid fire thoughts, things we liked and didn't like. Uh, just what are some real things that just really stood out to you just real quick? Um, one was it was killing our Thanos in the opening like 15 oh. minutes. And then it, it's so ironic that our last stand of 22 films is in is against an alternate the galaxy ver- Thanos. Yeah, exactly. Like this other Thanos, like this, he's not even the guy that we want revenge on. It's, it's so cr- crazy. He's got the same ugly mug he'll do. Yeah. It's, I mean, but it's still, it's just like on paper, the idea that like our final showdown is against a version of this character that we've never met until this movie. It's like, man, this, this should feel so wrong. I, sh- I should feel robbed of, of like this great last moment, but, it's just it folds everything so well together that I'm like, I mean, it's giving me two Thanos deaths for the price of one ticket. I love it, and both are so great because one is a great ending just for his character where he's like, "Do it, come on, I don't really care. I did, I solved my mission." So he ends as just such a fantastic villain. It's kind of on, his, well, not kind of, it's on his terms, and so in one way, it's just this really audacious commitment. To the victorious ending they gave him in Infinity War, you know? He yeah. he never pays for that. Because giving his life for that is he doesn't he care. He dies at peace. Exactly. And so but I hate it. <laughs> well, I hate it and I lo- like it's just such a cool ballsy move to I, me. I remember at the when talking we were talking about Infinity War, I was like, I just hope that you know, he gets mortally wounded, he's alive just long enough to see his work undone, and then he dies. And we got both the good ending for Thanos as main character of Infinity War, and we got a really cruel ending where he has to watch all his people die before he before he evaporates not, himself. Not only just die, but die in according to his plan. Like it's the reverse. Yeah. It's it's his gun turned on himself. It's so great. This movie has his cake and eats it too, and I love it. Yeah. Um, so, but that's that goes to what I was saying earlier, which is just. The, there was a level of just unpredictability with this film where I was, I gasped, I audibly gasped when it said five years later. Um, and then I knew that time travel was going to be an element here. I thought it was going to be the third act. You know, we've got these amazing trailers which completely sold a lot of the tone of the film while really keeping you more in the dark than you had any thought that you were you know i think we came in here with a semblance of an idea of how this this is going to go yeah they showed us scenes from the first 20 minutes and the climax but we didn't know it was the climax exactly and so um 
whenever we start doing the time travel thing and it ended and I'm like, wait, we got an hour of movie left. We've already got the gauntlet back and we've snapped again. Like what's happening? And then, you know, alternate reality Thanos comes for this last amazing third act. And yeah, I just act by act had no idea where it was going. Um, it's just so so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, one one last thing. Um, I do want to just praise the the the, uh, the way they handled uh, Natasha Black Widow's character. Just, like in the first half of the movie, I was like, we have never seen this level of performance from Scarlett Johansson, and I have loved Black Widow since the Avengers. Like people have, you know, people people say what they say, but I've always really liked that character. I was you know very fascinating. You know, this person who used to be this heartless assassin who, as she says, you know, I have read on my ledger, I'd like to wipe it out. Her entire being is, you know, trying to make up for the pain she has caused, uh, you know, her whole journey across the movies uh, of, you know, finding a purpose with the shield, then, re- then realizing that she was actually worshiping for Hydra, then like desperately trying to hold the Avengers together before finally giving in and becoming, you know, someone like Cap who is just there to do the right thing, you know, at the end of a uh, civil war. And just the way she is at the, at the, in the, for the first act of this film where she's, just trying to hold down the fort, you know, keep keeping tabs on everyone else. And she, I, I love her, her braid, kind of loose braid. Where, you know, she's always been so put together before. And now we see her at so, so vulnerable and human. Like there's a level of just vulnerability that we just have never even glimpsed in her performance. And it's wonderful. And all of that building to her, you know, incredible sacrifice to save, you know, save Barton and save her family at the end it's just it's just so good just a, a really great end to her arc and, I, and even at the moment you talk, you can't you don't know what to expect you know going into that scene you don't know you don't know if it's gonna be her you don't know if it's gonna be barn like either 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 way would have been completely satisfying emotionally and when you can get to a point like that you know you have a good story yeah i i really liked her character a lot maybe not quite as much as you but i've i've gotten really annoyed with a lot of the people who say that there's nothing she's just like an overtly bad character or you know there's nothing interesting going on under the surface i've always thought she's been really interesting uh and maybe again this is this one where retroactively examining her character you see even more of what was going on because like you said she's always she's trying to right wrong she's trying to serve a purpose with Hydra or with Shield, turns out, oh great, you're serving Hydra, and and so she tries to do something else, and we you know we get to a place where she probably feels like she's doing a lot of good before um, the events of Civil War, and now since she's on the run, but now she's with Captain America, who, who is this straight moral compass, and so she can feel confident that she's doing the right thing, and once she might be in a, like a satisfying place, half the world's population is gone, and so now she's like trying to cling to some sort of meaning. Um, so like, if if with Thanos is gone, we don't have any more super villains. We just got a bunch of sad people. Like, how do I how do I act? How do I how am I not just sitting here? It, it's like eating a sad peanut butter sandwich. Exactly, it's like you know she she feels that she hasn't served enough. She needs she needs more to do to get the red out of her ledger, and she's in a place where that's just an impossibility. You know, like. We're just a broken world that's all trying to move on together. And so, you know, like, there's an earthquake? Well, you know, let, let's let's check that out. Like, let's do something. We've got to act. We've got to do something. It's just, and, and like you said, the, the level of humanity and vulnerability here is unprecedented. I remember whenever she asked about Barton and 
um Rody says he'll check it out and then he the the calm goes away and she just starts crying i'm like <laughs> i've never seen her like this this is the most this is the most incredible performance from her we've seen yet like this is just she's playing into emotions that she's never been able to in any of the previous scripts and and seeing that she has that ability to be that raw and vulnerable is just so nice to see in her last film. Yeah. All right. So I, I think we uh, will probably uh, just wrap it up and call that a mini. So uh, I, dude, I cannot wait till we finally get tw- through 22, uh, 2020, what, 22 films? 22 films. Dear. It's going to be even more fun. Like, I'm glad that we haven't covered the MCU until now because it's like, I. I feel like the arts yeah. and the the overarching themes have been made all the more clear, and like it's almost like um, Endgame kind of went back to to ground zero, to, back to Iron Man, and took a highlighter and just highlighted everything important. Because like it's almost made talking about some of these films even easier. Because it's like this is this is what matters here and so i'm i'm really excited and it, it felt like a lot of vindication for someone who's who's you know has defended the mcu against a lot of the criticisms uh thrown against it that yes there was a there's planning these are very clear character arcs i'll, I'll save my defense for later yeah uh so next week we'll be back with uh with split and then glass and then i think we're gonna do it probably an underrated episode maybe maybe not we'll see and then after that the plan is to do the mcu which I, I'm, re- I'm ready for another big series, but also I'm kind of nervous. Star Wars was fun, but it, that, that was tough. So See, I don't edit, so I get to have all of the excitement without <laughs> any of the hesitation. Yeah. All right. Uh, so until next week, we will see you in Split. I am Iron Man.